everyone and welcome to the Pet Accountant Podcast with me, your host, Vicky Clark. I'm going to help you get to grips with your finances, save you lots of money and take the stress out of doing your tax return. So let's get going. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome. Uh, my name is Vicky. I run the Pet Accountant uh, along with Lee, who is my lovely business partner, uh, we are going to chat to you today about uh, expenses, uh, registering your company as a sole trader and uh, registering your company as a limited company. Um, the reason we're going to do that today is because we've had quite a few uh, direct messages and people in the group ask about how they set up their sole trader business and their limited company business. And some people are getting it wrong, uh, which costs you money. Um, if you saw Lee's post earlier on, I think it was yesterday, regarding setting up a limited company, it is quite complex. And if you get it wrong, uh, it can be quite costly. So uh, we're going to go through that today. Um, so I welcome Lee for a start. Hello. 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 You should all should recognise him by now because I've dragged him on quite a few times. Uh, myself and Lee merged a couple of months ago. Uh, and formed a super accountancy firm, um, which is why uh, he's on here today. So, right, let's get into it. Um, first, I want to talk about the sole trader side, uh, and Lee's going to talk about the limited company side. Uh, if you are going to start as a sole trader, there are a few things that you need to do. The very, very first one is register with HMRC as a sole trader. Uh, it may say register for self-assessment. It is the same thing. So you can do it online. Um, you can do it on the phone if you want to call HMRC, although you might be on there for a week. Um, if you call them at around about eight o'clock in the morning, I found that they answer pretty quickly. Um, if you decide to call them after lunchtime, I wouldn't bother because you'll be on there for absolutely hours. Um, so if you want to do it that way, you can ring them, uh, like I said, at eight o'clock. You can do it online. Or if you do want to become a client of ours, we can do it for you for a small fee. Um, but it is very, very straightforward. It just asks you your personal details. Um, and then you will get a letter in the post a couple of weeks after that uh, with your UTR number on, which is your unique tax reference number. It's a 10-digit number. That number is your holy grail uh, for sole traders. Please, please don't lose it. Keep it somewhere safe. Uh, on that letter, you will also get um, your government gateway ID uh, to log in to create and uh, put a password in. That government gateway ID and your password and the UTR number are the three things that you need to keep a hold of as a sole trader. Um, if you do have an accountant, we can get your UTR number for you, so that's not an issue. However, we have no access to your government gateway ID and password. So if you lose them, it's another phone call to HMRC uh, and another week of your life wasted. So please don't lose those three things. Um, once you've done that, that's kind of pretty much it, really, isn't it, Lee, as far as sole traders are concerned? Yeah, I mean, there is there is a couple of bits of... Um... How, how would I put it? Um, you don't necessarily have to register straight away. There's no. a little bit of legislation that allows that basically says that if you if you generate less than a thousand pound in revenue, i.e. sales, then you don't have to fill in a tax return and register for self-assessment. However, if you're making a loss and you've got expenses, you are much, much better registering for self-assessment because we can carry those losses 
forward into next year, or we can offset them against any employment income that you've had. So just because you don't have to register, it might be beneficial for you to register. But again, that's a conversation that we can have with you if you wanted to have a chat with us about it. Cool. And you have got, it's 90 days, isn't it, to register from, from the first day of trading? You've got 90 days. Yes, you have, yes. Yeah. Although saying that, I've had plenty of people that have registered after those 90 days and they haven't been penalised. Yeah. Um, although it is HMRC, so I, you know, I wouldn't risk it. Um, it is technically 90 days after your first day, but if you're sitting in anything, oh crap, it's been after 90 days, don't panic um, because you can still register. So once you've got those three things, so you've got your UTR number, you've set up your government gateway ID and password, the next step um, that you need to think about is getting yourself a separate bank account. Now, we always recommend this anyway because it's good to separate your business income and, and any other personal stuff that you get, especially if you've got another job. Um, but also when it comes to using the accountancy software, it is a lot easier um, to manage on the accountancy software if you've only got one bank account with the business stuff going in and out rather than it mixing in with your Tesco's Big Shop, cinema and all, all other things that you buy on your personal card. So we'd always recommend getting a separate bank account. It doesn't necessarily have to be a business bank account as a sole trader. You can use a normal bank account, but you've just got to be careful with your bank's T's and C's. Sometimes some banks don't like it and they may, you know, you may get a letter saying why you're using this as a business. But generally, um, you can just use a normal current account. You don't have to pay for a business specific one. There are um, various banks out there that are dedicated to sole traders um, Starling being one of them. Um, so just have a look um, and make sure you're not paying for a business bank account if you don't need to. Although if you are, it is an allowable expense anyway, but it's just a bit of a pointless one. So just be careful um, on that. But yes, definitely, definitely get a separate uh, bank account and make sure that all your income from your clients is going into that bank account and all your expenses are coming out of it. Because uh, like I said, if you get a software like Free Agent or Zero or QuickBooks, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to manage if it's only connected to one bank account rather than two, or if you've got your personal transactions coming out of it. So once you've got that separate bank account, um, the next step is your bookkeeping. So a lot of people at the minute are using Excel spreadsheets, uh, diaries, notepads, pen and paper. There's loads of various different ways. That is absolutely fine for now. However, just bear in mind that in 2024, um, everything is going digital for sole traders and landlords. So if you are a sole trader, it's probably best to get on a software now. You will probably do um, another podcast on the various different softwares. Uh, you've probably heard us talk about them before. Zero and free agent are our preferences. Uh, depending on what you do, we'll signpost you to one of those, depending on your situation. Um, however, there are a lot out there, but just be wary, not all of them are making tax digital compliant. So I think we had someone mention one on the on the Facebook group um, or they're paying an X amount, but it, it's actually not MTD compliant. So just make sure if you're going to pay money per month to a random one um, that it is actually compliant. So you're not going to waste all that time and effort. Um, but I would definitely get to grips with it now because I think we had a chat about this. Was it last week or the week before, Lee? People are making quite a few errors on it. So it is going to take a bit of time and patience to get used to the software. 
Um, like I said, if you're using an Excel spreadsheet or using your diary, which I know a lot of people do at the minute, that's fine. Um, if you are a client of ours, then you will be going on the software next April, uh, whether you like it or not, uh, because we're going to force you to do it um, just so that we can get you to navigate it and, and, you know, just get to use it and figure it out before it actually goes live. Uh, we have mentioned before that we will be doing training sessions on Free Agent Zero. Um, we may do one on another software. I don't know. Um, we'll think about it. But um if you uh, have either of those, we will be doing those to help people uh, before it goes live. So that is it. So just to recap, UTR number, register with HMRC within the 90 days, online, on the phone, or get an accountant to do it for you if you've got one. Keep your UTR number and your government gateway ID and password safe. Get yourself a separate bank account um, and start recording your income and expenses and make sure you keep those receipts um, if you are doing it manually and not using the accounting software. Keep the receipts. You've got to do it for a minimum of seven years. So just file them somewhere, box them up, put them in the attic, whatever. But you've got to keep a hold of them. And that, I think, is pretty much it as a sole trader. And then obviously you've got your tax return to do every year, which has to be submitted by the 31st of January every year. So that's all you literally have to do is one self-assessment every year. Um, and like I said, make sure you get your UTR number and that is you pretty much sorted. So I'm going to pass over to Lee now. Um, <laughs> wake up. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> um, and he's going to just talk you through very briefly because limited companies are a lot more complex and we'd honestly be here for about two hours if he went massively in depth about what you have to do. But this will just give you guys a bit of an indication of the stuff that you have to set up uh, for the limited company side. Um, so if you're going to want to make notes, that's absolutely fine. Um, we'll, we'll post this obviously in the podcast on the group. Uh, but yes, over to you, Lee. Lovely. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so the limited company is, and I keep on saying this, it's a completely separate legal entity to a sole trader. So even if you are looking to move your business from a sole trader to a limited company, there comes a point which your sole trader side will have to completely cease and then the limited company side would then pick up all of your clients and all of the bills and other bits and pieces that, that, that surround your trade. Now, the one thing to remember is at that point when that happens, they're no longer your customers. It's no longer your money. Uh, it is all to do with the limited company. It belongs to the limited company. The money that it generates belongs to the limited company. And therefore, there's only certain ways that you can extract that money. Now, yes, the limited company will belong to yourself. But in order to be able to take that money out, you have to be a shareholder. To be a shareholder, you have to set the, the limited company up through Companies House, which is slightly different to when you first did it as a sole trader through HMRC. So the steps at the very beginning are very much like setting up for a sole trader. You will need to register for a new government gateway. This government gateway, again, it belongs to the limited company, so it's not the same as your sole trader one. So you potentially will have two. Once you've got your, your government gateway set up, you can then apply through Companies House for the limited company. You'll have to do some background checks to make sure that uh, the limited company name is allowable, that it's not taken elsewhere, and that there's no trademarks and you're not infringing on other people's trademarks when, when using that name. There are certain names or words that you're not allowed to use. King and <laughs> Queen is one of them, so it just rejects them. Um, 
there are a couple of other ones as well. Um, I think there's acronyms that you're also not allowed to use. So, or rude do... ones, I'm going to guess. Yeah, the, you can't use rude ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, again, something to be mindful of. So when you are registering as the limited company, it's not just a simple case of going to a company's house. When you're going through that process and that application, you're going to get asked a load of questions about shareholders, about persons with significant controls, and then you also have to set up your share structure of the business as well. And there are a couple of different types of share structure that you can set that business up with. Uh, the, the, the most common one is ordinary voting shares. Um, and again, you have to value those shares. And I think my post in the group this week was about how um, a recent client um, decided that they wanted £100 a share and they wanted 100 shares without realising that they'd have to put that money into the business. And when you do 100 times 100 and you get 10,000 at the other end of it, they had a big shock and I told them that they now owe their limited company £10,000 for what was a £12 setup on company's house. Um, we had to fix it. It could be fixed, luckily, but it involves a lot of paperwork. We have to contact the company's house. Um, so again, something to be mindful of. Most people opt for one pound and one share, but it depends on the structure that you're setting up. So before you get to that stage, just make sure that you've had a chat to the people that are going to be involved in this company and that you understand the different classes of shares and the number of shares and the value that you want in the business to start with. We can always change it down the line. So it's better to go less to begin with because you've got to give the, you've got to give the company that money to begin with. Um, and that's how it, it starts to trade is from the money that you initially invest. You may have to loan it a little bit more to begin with just to get the ball rolling. But once you've got a couple of weeks of your sales, so you'll be absolutely fine. Um, another thing to remember then is once the application has been done with company's house, you will receive a company's house filing number. And that is like your debit card PIN number. You do not lose that number. You don't give it out. If you give that number out to somebody, they can change your company settings. They can lock you out. They can file things at HMRC. They can file things at company's house. It is like your PIN number. Please, please protect it. Um, we can't do anything without it, so we can't file without it. Um, so it's really, really important that you keep that safe. You'll also get a unique taxpayer's reference number, also known as the corporation tax number from HMRC. Um, we'll need that in order to be able to prepare your tax return for the company. Tax return is very similar to the sole trader side. It's a little bit more in depth uh, and there are certain filing criterias and, and, and a certain way that it has to be prepared, which is why generally limited companies are more expensive in terms of accountancy fees than sole traders. Um, once we have those details, you'll then be able to or you'll get a, a, an email notification with your company number on it from from company's house. And then that's the company live uh, registered so that you can begin trading. The first thing to do, again, like a sole trader, is make sure that you get that bank account set up. Now, unlike the sole trader where it could have been a personal account, um, it could have been a business account. It really doesn't matter. But you try to keep them separate. This one has to be a separate business account in the limited company name. You can't use, if you had a, a business account from when you was a sole trader trading as, it doesn't matter. You need a brand new account and it must, must be in the business limited company name. Um, remember, this is no longer you as a sole trader. This is now a completely separate entity from, from yourself. Uh, so it, it, it has to support itself. It has to generate its own sales. 
uh, and the money that it earns belongs to it unless it's extracted by a dividends or a payroll. Um, so again, very, very strict criteria, unlike the sole trader side, which is a little bit more flexible, a little bit more fluid. You can take money as you please because it's your money. It's not with a limited company. But the limited company, whilst it has its downsides like that, it does have its upsides too from the protection that it can provide. Um, sole traders are liable for all of their debts. And if something goes wrong as a sole trader and you get sued, um, your personal possessions are liable to cover any debts that, that that may arise from that or any circumstances, whether it was your fault or not. If it was deemed your fault by a court, if somebody takes you to court, you are liable for that. Um, and it can go to the stage where you can become bankrupt from it. So what a limited company does is it limits your liability. And the only money that you stand to lose is the money that you've put into the limited company and any money that the company's got for your personal possessions are generally protected. Um, so a little bit more expensive, but it does provide protection. So once you've got your bank account set up, you can then go out and start getting your, your, your insurance in place. Um, again, you may need to look at liability insurance, whether that be public or personal indemnity insurance. Um, and then you can start to move your clients over. You obviously need to tell them that the bank account details have changed, why you've changed from a sole trader to a limited company. Not necessarily the, the exact reasons why, but, but certainly explain to them that that change has happened uh, and that from such and such a date, they're going to see a different name on their bank statement when they pay you. Um, and again, if you send out invoices with your bank details and you're using a similar type of branding, make it obvious Tell them beforehand that the, or before you send the invoice that you have changed those bank details so that you don't get customers paying into the old bank and then you have to transfer that money across. If it does happen, and it absolutely 100% will because some people don't read emails and they, they forget that this has <laughs> happened, all you need to do is transfer that money that you've received back into your limited company bank account. And that's really important that you do that so that there's a clear audit trail that you was paid, but you've transferred that money back and that you, you've not accidentally not declared money that you, your limited company has generated. Um, but apart from that, limited companies, why is running? <laughs> apart from that, <laughs> apart from all of that massive <laughs> batch of information that you've just dumped, yeah. apart from that's really easy. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'll just touch on the dates very quickly of filing things because, again, that's very different to the sole trader side. Sole traders, you obviously are aware that come the end of March up to the 5th of April, you're then able to prepare your self-assessment tax return, and that has to be done by the 31st of January. Unlike a limited company, the limited company year ends um, 12 months after you started trading, so that could be any month of the year. We then have to prepare your, your accounts and file them with Companies House nine months and one day from the end of your accounting period. So. Again, that date will change depending on when that started. But any money that you take out of the limited company, whether that be via a payroll or via dividends, that needs to tie in with the tax years. Again, so we're running back to the April scenario. So there could be timing differences, which is why it's really important that if you do it yourself, that you're aware that you will have to look at what's personally taxable that comes out of the limited company and what's being taxed at source, such as the payroll that that, that, that may have been processed. Um, but if you get us to set the limited company up, we set up the payroll scheme for you. We run the payroll scheme. 
we ensure that you are taking the the most tax efficient salary out of the company uh, and then we look at dividends as well dividends are really tax efficient they're not available to sole traders and what i mean by dividends is once you make a profit within the limited company and you pay corporation tax on that profit the money that is left is distributable profit and that's the money that you can extract from the company as dividends now dividends you only pay tax on you don't pay any national insurance on them and they're taxed at a much lower rate as well so an individual will be taxed at 20% a dividend is taxed at 8.75% yeah. so massive massive difference there um and again if you've got a couple of directors or a couple of shareholders i should say within that company you could be extremely tax efficient with a limited company then compared to several sole traders operating as a partnership because we can claim for more things and extract profits a little bit more more tax yeah. efficient wise i think that's um, probably a different podcast before we definitely even i'm confused about what you've said so if you if you listen to this back obviously just take some notes if you are struggling um, like I say, you can get in touch with us or or another accountant bookkeeper um, to get them to do it for you. Because like I said, we, we've had quite a few people that have done it wrong. Um, and obviously we've had quite a few questions on it recently, which is why we wanted to do the live on that topic today. So I hope that's helped and hasn't confused you even more. Uh, we just wanted to highlight the difference between a sole trader and a limited company because we see a lot on all the different Facebook groups of our oh, so-and-so has been a limited, so I'm going to do it. Or I just picked a limited because I didn't know what else to do. Please do your research on the differences between a sole trader and a limited company and a partnership, because that will make a massive difference um, to the amount, amount of money you pay, um, the structure and everything. So do your research and see what's more appropriate to your situation. Um, like I say, we see too many times people going down the wrong path and then they get into a bit of a pickle and then we then have to unravel that and there's fines and all sorts. So do your research on the differences. We'll probably do a podcast on that at some point as well, the differences between the three, um, to give you guys an idea. Um, we're going to say something there, Lee. Yeah, something that just sprung to mind that um, that isn't necessarily obvious that when somebody moves from a limited from a sole trader to a limited company, and this is the use of the software. So mm. if somebody is on software as a sole trader and decides to set up as a limited company, the software that you're currently using as a sole trader, you have to stop using for the limited company and you have to set up brand new software. So you can't just change the, the name on your software. You have to set up a brand new subscription, start it from scratch, because again, the limited company didn't have those transactions because they didn't belong to it. So we need to make sure that when you have a go live date for your limited side, it also has fresh, brand new and new software so that it, it's transactions that are in there actually belong to the limited company. Perfect. Thanks for that. Um, what we also wanted to touch on very, very quickly, because um, it's only going to be a short session today, is uh, someone put on the group recently about wanting to buy gifts for their clients obviously um we're coming up to to christmas uh, in a few months so i know that's going to be a popular question or can i claim back um the expenses for buying gifts for clients um and i think someone had to put on there yes uh which technically is a gray area so we wanted just to well i'm going to get lee to explain 
what you can do with that and how to get around it because obviously it's not as simple as just going I've bought my client something I'll just claim it back um so if you want to touch on that quickly Lee for us just to cover that for people if you don't mind no problem so this is where it becomes the little bit of a difficulty to to um, be able to claim something like that so if you was to buy something for one of your customers you're in essence um falling into the uh, entertainment aspect of the account side now client entertainment is not allowable for tax purposes so even if your business pays for it you don't receive tax relief on it um however you can buy a gift for somebody anybody whether they be a client or not as long as it's less than 50 pounds only once in the tax year but it has to be branded with a conspicuous logo on there to show that it does belong to to you as, as a gift to that person so as long as you meet those two criteria, where it's less than 50, you have a logo on it. And the, the, the other criteria to consider is it's not allowed to be alcohol, tobacco, food, or um, uh, gift cards that can be exchanged for cash. So it has to meet all of those criteria, and then it can be classed as a gift and then allowable within your accounts. If it fails those criteria, it needs to go as entertainment and then it's not allowable and you won't receive tax relief on it. So, okay then. I mean, that probably rules out quite a bit, the alcohol, because a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people yeah. buy like their clients, gin and whatever. Yeah. So say I wanted to buy you a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, and it was £30 pounds, mm-hmm. and I wrapped it up and stuck one of a, a pet accountant sticker on it with my logo on that's fine the item itself doesn't have to have my logo on it just a sticker not necessarily i mean um i've been to companies before where they buy you bottles of wine and on the the wine bottle itself they've put a little a little label um now the fact that it was alcohol would make it not allowable but obviously they've tried to get around that by sticking a a label (laughs) on there um but certainly that the outside packaging, not every item within inside the package, because I think somebody said they want to do like a little hamper with different treats and other bits and pieces in there, like for the dogs. Now, I would have said that was allowed, but the outside packaging would all need to be branded to ensure that it looks like it, it is a gift from, from yourself, from, from a company. Okay, perfect. Well, hopefully that clarifies it for everyone because I know that came up um, and it wasn't just a straightforward yes. So just remember to meet those criteria if you are going to be buying gifts. Um, you might have to rethink of some if you were going to buy your clients alcohol, which most people do at Christmas. Um, but yeah, no, brilliant. Thank you for that. Um, I don't think there was anything else um, that I wanted to to chat about. So hopefully that has helped with regards to registering as a sole trader and a limited company. Uh, very briefly, partnerships are pretty much the same. You've Each partner's got to register as a sole trader and then register the partnership separately, which again can be done online via the phone or through an accountant or bookkeeper. Uh, so if you're sitting there thinking, what about partnerships? As long as each person's registered and got a UTR, you then at that point register the partnership as a separate entity. So Again, if you need any help with that, then just let us know. Um, And if you are buying gifts, make sure it's got your logo on it somewhere. Um, I hope that has been helpful. Um, Like I say, we will put this um, chat into the group um, and obviously it's going to be on this podcast. And hopefully you all have a lovely week. Um, I'm at Greenfest this weekend. 
Um, if you are going, then pop and say hello today and Sunday. Uh, and we're also doing a little webinar um, about some topics as well. So if not, I'll see you there on the weekend uh, and we'll catch up with you guys next week. All right, cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed my podcast, don't forget to subscribe for me. And if you want to speak to me, please visit my website at www.petaccountant.co.uk. And if you'd like to join my Facebook group, which is full of like-minded pet professionals, then search Accounting for Pet Professionals in Facebook and I will see you there.